Well, hello. I heard a rumor that some of you missed me, and just know that I appreciate you very much. This is me trying to make you a little something-something. Just talking about me, where I'm at, what's going on, how I am, where I am, where I'm going to be. You know, an update, as it were. So, I, uh, in short, I'm doing pretty okay most days. As long as I don't have to interact with people. <laughs> and that's not really the best place to be, I know. But when you feel as dejected and rejected as I do right now, when you feel like you might as well literally be living in an alternate reality uh, for all intents and purposes, then it's for the best. I feel most days pretty great, tell you the truth. Um, waking up and getting to my stuff. I fairly immediately get to chores. Uh, I pretty quickly, as soon as I wake up, get right out of bed and get to work with something. If I do stay in bed on my own schedule and whatnot, my self-talk these days is pretty nice. And it's usually because I'm drifting in and out of not a not really sleep, but just a very relaxed state. The cat'll come up, realize that I'm awake, and get extra pets and love. And if she's not already there with me on the bed, then uh, it's nice. I'll usually get up, and because I know breakfast is solved, and I know that I don't know what dinner's ever going to be usually, unless something's about to go bad. <laughs> because I am stingy. Uh, but I don't know what dinner's going to be, but I know that dinner's in the fridge, and I know that I'm going to make something, and I know that I have different layers of stuff to make for dinner. Uh, it's actually very exciting. Um, so uh, I had to go check real quick, but right now what I have in the fridge <laughs> is I have a couple of things ready to go. I have got leftover nochi, making nochi from scratch. It's so good. Uh, doesn't look anything like the proper nochi because I fuck up, but it tastes really great, and I love it, and I love plopping my little uh, flour potato balls in water and watching them come to the surface and pulling them out. It's just such a fun thing. And there's, you know, that's like a high level of experiment. I've never eaten nochi at a restaurant. I used to deliver Italian food, and I never had the nochi. I just, ne- I just didn't care. I don't know why. It just never hit my radar. And, uh, (laughs) you know, making something from scratch that you've never even eaten before just because conceptually you're like, oh, sure, I can make that. I want to make that. I want to know what that tastes like. I want to know that process. That's like a high level of experiment. But then there's also, you know, in my fridge just leftovers. You know, there's hamburger, meat, there's ground beef. There's everything that I need just to make something real quick and real easy, not even have to think about it. Basically just the equivalent of a sandwich, but trying to cut out all the sandwich processing and, you know, make my own food. Not that ground beef is, you know, fantastic for you, but could also just be a chicken sandwich. Like there'll often be a chicken filet or uh, a fish filet uh, in the freezer. Now that I know that fish uh, dethaws so fucking quickly, even in the fridge and whatnot, uh, 
because all my, all, all my life, my parents did not prepare f seafood correctly at all. <laughs> they over, they just, every part of it, just the de-thawing, the cooking, the eating, the seasoning, every part of it was fucking wrong. <laughs> so I, I thought that I just, like, needed to spend a lot of money on seafood and shit. But now, you know, I'll buy frozen, frozen fish fillets when they're a half price and what have you, stock them up, and make, like, a little, you know, little fish fillet little baked mahi mahi or something. Uh, turns out that you know you take you take your fish, you you dethaw it, you put some citrus on it when you cook it. It's pretty great. <laughs> turns out that fish sauce and chili powder make everything taste or chili sauces or various chili instruments make everything taste good. And so I have like very low level and very high level. And then uh, I said for a while now breakfast has been a salt state and for all of 2021 it has been true. No matter how tempting a breakfast burrito is or hash browns in the morning are, I wake up and I have my shake and I've been enjoying it so much that I actually moved everything over to a second shake. And so now I have two shakes every day. I get done with my first shake. Uh, I'll either make my second shake uh, or I will already have it in the fridge. Uh, first shake is the morning milkshake. It's, it's the one I've been talking about. It's always, at the very least, nut milk, uh, oats, and chia seeds. That's as basic as it gets. I'll usually throw in fruit uh, and uh, a little bit of vegetation. And then the second one's the big protein shake, where it's mostly nuts, uh, nut milk, uh, banana, uh, nut butter, or, or powdered protein, uh, and then a shit ton of spinach. And I'm so excited. I was eating kale, I was eating kale, I was eating kale, and then I couldn't. Whatever happened to Mr. Tums happened. Uh, and then after that, you know, they said, try kale every once in a while. Well, I tried kale every once in a while, and it started to work again. But I'd have to do all this shit. I'd have to bake it in the oven, make kale chips. And it was this, like, you know, opening the Tupperware that I kept the kale chips in every time. I was like, ugh, didn't smell good. And so I just, like, said, fuck it. And I've just stopped trying to make it work with kale and broccoli. They're, I know they, they don't sound alike, but they're in the same family. And I've just been chucking in shit tons of, like, spinach and, like, uh, beet greens. That's uh, the leaves on top of beets. Apparently, they're super nutritious. Uh, <clears throat> I've been putting all those in. And so I'm having, like, superfood shakes on accident. I didn't really intend for any of this. But I'm having, like, superfood shakes. Uh, they're very, very good. And I have to say, it's... <laughs> this is going to get a little embarrassing, especially since I'm so shy right now and I'm so detached from the world. Um... <laughs> I promise I'm doing my best because I'm going to the gym fairly frequently. But eating nothing but, uh, you know, oats and chia seeds for, for breakfast for four months has had an effect. And I haven't accidentally achieved a major fitness goal for the first time in my life. It's not that I haven't achieved major fitness goals in my life before, but I've never done it on accident. It was always very, very rigorous for me in the past. And so what a great sign of healing and transition and a life ahead and all the rest. I, uh... See, I find it very hard to brag about myself, and this is so worthy of bragging about. So, uh, I totally on accident 
am now in a men's medium sweatpant. I, I don't know how it happened, but there it is. My legs are still all bulky and muscular and thick, but slowly but surely, I realized the, the large... Uh, <laughs> The large sweatpants I was I were I was in were were not doing it for me. They were hanging off a little too much, and so now all the large sweatpants that I have I just wear around the house. And I can't begin to tell you how exciting that is for me. I can't begin to tell you how fucking cool it is. How fucking cool is that? I mean, this is a real change. This is not a change for a goal or anything. This was just like lifetime fitness. I don't want to eat so much meat. Breakfast is so complicated. If I waste calories on breakfast, I for sure can't have beer that day. You know? This, is, this, this was the origins of all of these things. And it's just been such a natural change. I can't sustain two smoothies a day forever? Maybe? I don't know. I'm doing really good with the not eating in between meals. I've done that even without the shakes for a long time now. I've been doing really good about not ordering in for a long time now. And when I do order in, it's just so much more reasonable calorically than anything I used to have in the past, nutritionally, uh, on lots of levels. So that's done. Uh, Life without caffeine, life without soda, life without smoking. I've made all those changes pretty much. I mean, I still have some caffeine from time to time, but it is green tea all day, every day. I make my big pot. I pour it into a carafe. I put the carafe in the fridge after it cools. I pour it out bit by bit all day. I'm starting to do two carafes. (laughs) This is starting to sound really fucking anal. This is why Martha Stewart was always so hot to me, though, because I knew, I knew inside that fridge was the good good. I knew it. And now you do too. So now I have like two carafes and I'm doing kind of like a golden latte tea at the end of the day where it's like, oh, switch off the green tea even though it's uncaffeinated and start taking the night-night golden tea juice with the turmeric and yum, 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 yum. So, you know, nut milk lattes and uh, chai teas in the evening are starting to happen um, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, the green teas that I make, I don't just make to increase the flavor, but to pair with the food that I'm going to have once I know what I'm going to make. You know, if I I talked about making seafood fillets with some citrus, well, now I'm starting to pair that citrus with tea. I'll make a little fresh thing of tea for dinner, too. So all of these health transitions have been going on for a while, and it makes me very excited because it means that it's all totally sustainable. I have not been working out very hard the last couple of months. And look at all the fitness goals I have. And I don't, I don't know how it's resonating in my voice or how it's coming across right now, but my musculature is great right now. It feels really good, even after not hitting the gym uh, due to COVID and depression and just staying inside and just surviving. Just fucking surviving. So that's going pretty great. That feels fantastic. Uh, I've always worn either a double XL or an XL top uh, as an adult. Always, always, always. It doesn't matter what shape I was in. And XL t-shirts, even like cheap, shitty ones that are fairly tight-fitting and not made in America and what have you, uh, are starting to be pretty loose, at least on big portions of me. And I have got a lot of really great muscular portions of me, my neck and my shoulders and my chest. And so to have it be loose... And loosening, it just feels so great. It feels so good. And I know that when everything is fully ready to go and I feel just 100% comfortable going back to the gym, 
uh, I sure will. Uh, the way I'm doing it right now and the reason why I'm not, I know it can sound like a total freak fest, but so many fucking outbreaks, vaccines or not, have been traced back to fucking gyms all over the world. And I'm just, I'm not... <laughs> There's just such a direct correlation between breathing heavy in any sense, rapid, rapid ventilation in any sense, and COVID diagnoses. And so choir practice would be out if I were in choir practice. You know, gym's kind of out. Don't go skiing. Don't go around people who talk and talk and talk. <laughs> like me. <laughs> and so I am very nervous about that. Vaccinated. Yes. Two shots. Yes. Which one? Don't know. Didn't ask, don't want to know, don't want to care, don't want to see the headlines and go, that's a me, don't give, give a shit, don't think uh, at the end, please do not conflate this with anti-vaxxism, clearly, since I told everyone to get a vaccine and I even like made shit and produced shit about getting vaccines and I've told you now that I've gotten a vaccine, so please don't accuse me of being an anti-vaxxer. When I say that the effective rate that's quoted is like as good as the introductory rate of a credit card that's quoted, it's like, sure, but that's not what you're going to pay. And it's the same thing with the effective rate, sure, that's not what you're going to get. So I don't really care what it is. <laughs> I don't care what the shot is or what the number is. I've got my antibodies. Um, but I'm still really worried about the kind of assholes that'll go to a gym, even at 2 a.m., uh, kind of especially at 2 a.m., because they're so motivated that they're probably like, I'm going to work my way out of the apocalypse. <laughs> so physically, I'm doing great. Uh, cooking. I'm going to start giving pictures to Allie of things that I cook, and then, you know, she'll be able to just start doling them out to you. Because uh, it's starting to get pretty great. You know, it doesn't look great because I'm self-taught and I don't really give a shit about the rules. I'm just trying to learn the food science portion of it and then I'll apply the directions as I see fit. So I don't really care that my nochi doesn't look like anybody else's nochi. It tastes fucking great. <laughs> if we can't call it nochi at the end of it, so be it. I'll call it buenos nochis. And then... <laughs> And then that's what then that's what we'll call mine. Um, so that's going fantastic. Uh, snack foods. Just talked about not eating. That's on the list up next. I'm starting to make like Cheez-Its at home from scratch. I'm starting to make like pretzels at home from scratch. I'm starting to make the things and then I know exactly what's in them. And then I don't feel nearly as guilty. Uh, plus, if you make crackers from scratch, especially if you don't have a rolling pin, um... <laughs> You really wanted to eat them. It's not like you just gave up and threw the Cheez-Its in your fucking basket. You made the Cheez-Its, and they're so good. Uh, that's cooking. That's cooking and cooking and cooking. Isn't it amazing? I only started cooking six months ago, and it's totally taken over my life in such, uh, in such a way. Isn't that funny? I legitimately think that that's just a gas, baby. I do. It's not even been six months with this, and I just, I love it. It's changed so much around about my life. Uh, I'm really, 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 really digging it. Um, not too long ago, it's kind of hard to find my label of beer sometimes, and so I'll have to go out of my way to get my label of beer. And I don't know if you know this about America, 
but there is fast food everywhere. So if I have to travel just a little bit to get my beer, that means I'm passing by all kinds of food, food trucks and McDonald's and all kinds of shit. And so I'm usually pretty good at avoiding these, right? Like I make rules about when I can eat and then I chastise myself for being Jeffrey Dahmer when I go to McDonald's. And I know that this system doesn't need to work for anybody else, but God damn it, it works for me. And so uh, the last time that I just was like, ah, fuck it, and kind of depressed was a couple of weeks ago. And I went out and I got my beer. It's like two in the afternoon. So, you know, not, not what I would call... A productive member of society day. Definitely a mental health day. And I go and I get my beer. And I'm like, oh, God. I pass by two places that sell just great breakfast burritos. And I haven't been to one of them in a long time. And, you know, all of the newspaper headlines say, you know, COVID's over. The economy's back. Spend money. And so I was like, eh, fuck it. I, you know, I don't make burritos at home because I don't have a rolling pin, so I can't make tortillas. <laughs> this is not fishing for a rolling pin. I promise, I have the funds to buy a rolling pin. I was in Target. I was looking at one. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. How much am I really going to use this? <laughs> so I, that's just the level of freak I am. <laughs> So dumb. So dumb. Listen to all the cooking bragging I've done, but I will still talk myself out of buying a fucking eight ninety nine rolling pin. It's just how it works. <laughs> Inside this diseased, diseased mind of mine. So I I'm feeling pretty pretty good about the way all of the fucking cooking experimentation is going. I feel really good about the way my body feels, the healing's gone. When I take time off and my, I come back and my voice sounds like this because of all the extra rest and whatnot I've been doing. It just, it feels really good. I'm also starting to make plans about going ahead, feeling so fucking sexy. I'm uh, with the antibodies and everything. I am going to get laid. Uh, I'm just damn near positive and sometime in the near future. Uh, and I'm hoping that that just relieves me. So under the auspice and orders of Chet Hanks, I shall white boy summer. I'm going to have a little sex, at least. Um, I hope. <laughs> I, I've been talking to women who seem to be willing to have it with me. And uh, so, you know, we're having conversations about, like, so could I actually put it inside you? And then, like, go back and forth? Like, with my hips? Hmm, that sounds like sex. It's been a while, but I'm pretty sure those are the basics. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very excited. It's keeping me on track. It's funny because, of course, you know, I'm talking about drinking beer and eating crackers and what have you. Uh, I do not in any way feel the need in this attempt before trying to get back into the world to become perfect like I have in the past. I just talked about how, uh, like, my body and torso feel so good. There's still, you know, bits of flab, you know, and there's little bits of jiggle, and I don't care. And any woman that I was with who didn't find me hot as fuck because of, of these pockets or what have you is not worth the dick. And they'll learn that pretty quickly. And I'll use her for orgasms and toss her aside. Um, I, I legitimately, with all the depression and all the doubt and everything else, I just feel so happy to be getting back. I'm going to be giving the gift of eating pussy back to the world. 
I don't know when, I don't know where, but it's it's going to return, and hopefully all that connection and touching and everything that I've been missing for so long now, for just so long, I'm hoping it can help restore uh, parts of me. I don't even know what's missing at this point, but I'm hoping it can restore parts of me. Uh, so that's all the good positive stuff that's going to that, that should deal with you. Uh, now I kind of want to talk about COVID some more. I figure this is a pretty good transition. We're about 20 minutes in. Now I can probably warn you and shit. Like, there's a first half and a second half, guys. You know how he is. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Um, <clears throat> so let me just, let me just kind of move this on in. Uh, I don't like talking about what's going to happen with COVID because you're either wrong in your predictions or premature, frankly, and then people are just dickwads, or you're right about your predictions and it doesn't matter because people are just dickwads. So let's take a step away from making new predictions and let me just talk about a prediction that I made and why I'm having such trouble adjusting and why it's good for me and I'm making progress. If you think I'm making progress, if you think this isn't an act, if you think that this is authentic, everything that I'm saying and doing, that these are my best attempts and that this is my best life and this is me trying to look ahead to the next 60, hopefully 60 plus years of living, um, it's, it's because I am detached from this world right now. It's because when I try and engage with the rest of you, while I see something horrible happening, that could be stopped. Could be stopped. This is not inevitable. The, if you are the kind of person who even says the word endemic as a foregone conclusion, you're the kind of person who drives me nuts. And it shouldn't be wrong for you to say that or have that conclusion or belief. So it's good for me to stay away from you. But if you're the kind of person who just casually says, yeah, COVID's going to be with us forever. It's just going to be endemic. It's going to be like the flu. That is Holocaust talk to me. That is killing people. That talk kills people. The idea that that is not ugly speech, but saying a racial slur is, is beyond me. I understand that that's going to be very, very uh, difficult for some people, but there you go. I really do believe, I mean, the, the, the problem with racist talk and bigoted talk is that it dehumanizes and it otherizes, it makes the other out of other people, it leads to violence. We're seeing it with Asians in America, all across the world, uh, just terribly. Just terribly right now. It's a perfect example, right? Well, saying saying COVID's going to be inevitable or endemic or the vaccines are perfect, that kills people too. Directly. There's a direct line between people saying that and people suffering and dying and people suffering and dying and losing their jobs for years. So I have to stay away because a lot of people have to say things like, well, it's just going to be around forever to get through their day. So my day is separate. And talking about COVID in a very practical sense about what's going forward, um, 
So a lot of people just can't fathom the idea that, you know, 10 to 20 million people a year are dying of COVID. Not in 2020, but in 2021 and beyond. The idea that 20 million people a year could die for five years, I guess that that's just totally mind-bending for some of you. And it's such a large number that even talking about in any kind of practical sense is monstrous or disastrous. A part of me wants to pretend to be like a podcast host that uh, host that's like good at, at, at podcasting and be like, now, of course, we're going to talk about this and trigger warnings. And I, I understand it can be very difficult and very hard, but frankly, I'm fucking numb. <laughs> 16, 16 months into this, 500 fucking days approaching into this, I am irritated at people who, uh, let's just say, keep playing the game where I'm only going to see what the confirmed numbers are, and I'm only going to entertain the confirmed number reality. If if the New York Times says that only 500,000 people got a COVID test yesterday, then there's only 500,000. And when they say that 500,000 is going down, then it's going down, because that's the confirmed number. And they, huh, huh, huh. Well, we all know that governments lie, that people make mistakes, that errors are made, that there's invisible COVID strains. I guess you may not know that there's invisible COVID strains out there. There's multiple invisible COVID strains out there. Have fun can fun with that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and there's all kinds of regions in the world that don't have reliable electricity and have doctor-to-patient ratios of 1 to 80 on a good day. And, 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 and. So anybody who is playing the confirmed game of COVID when the predictive game of COVID has always been correct and the confirmed case of COVID has always been wrong <laughs> every single day... For 500 days in a row, always wrong, then I can't deal with that, and I have to step aside. So if your argumentation from hearing this right now is, hey man, only 3.1 million people are confirmed dead of COVID right now, how could you possibly be talking about 100 million? Literally 3.1% of what you're saying is happening, and the vaccines are out there. So let's just assume that the vaccines are great. And that nobody's going to get sick or die. The breakthrough in case is not going to increase. And the antibodies and the vaccine. Let's just pretend. Let's just give all that up front. And just talk about where we're at now as a species with COVID deaths. And why 100 million is still just an estimate. Just an estimate. Not an apocalypse. Not the worst case scenario. Not one of the worst case scenarios with COVID. Not even remotely. And we're going to use it talking about a country that nobody believes the numbers in, including the people who report the numbers in the country and the people who hear them. Now, that's very rare. <laughs> There's not a lot of countries in the world where the people, everybody, everybody involved with the numbers and the reporting process all roll their eyes. The people who go out and find the numbers, the people who report them on the screen, the people who hear them, the people who talk about them out loud, nobody believes them. There's only really one rich slash western slash infrastructured country in the world where this is happening all the time. Not on a subject or occasionally, and I know a lot of you are screaming India, 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 but the answer is Russia. 
We will find out what the Indian excess of death toll is. And much more importantly, what it's doing in that region, we'll find that out uh, nearby. You will find out about Bengal and all of the countries. I mean, maybe you won't, because maybe you don't know that South America is just on fire with COVID right now. Even the vaccinated and rich countries like Chile, even the fairly isolated uh, countries like Suriname that you don't even know exists, because I didn't even know it exists, and how many maps have we looked at and we didn't even know Suriname exists? Seriously, look it up. South America, there's a country called Suriname. Did you know that? I fucking didn't. Holy shit! I kind of, I kind of wonder if we nightmared this one into existence. There's a country in South, there's not that many countries in South America. How did we miss one? Because everyone I've talked to about Suriname has not heard of Suriname. <laughs> so we all just fucking missed a goddamn country, and COVID didn't. Just keep that in mind. COVID knows places and people and things you do not. <laughs> so... I don't know if you know this, but South America is on fire from COVID right now. And South America is a very, very, when it comes to medical services, a very diverse region. Very diverse. One country to another. Very different medical systems. Well, one thing that almost every country in South America has in common is it shares a big-ass border with the much more populous and economically powerful Brazil. Seriously, Brazil touches all but, I think, three countries in South America? Maybe two? It touches Suriname. I looked. Uh, and it touches all of these countries with a giant border, but most importantly, economic ties. People constantly flying in and out of the various regions of Brazil. Brazil's outbreak happened in one of their remote, very uh, wilderness areas region. Kind of a bumfuck region of Brazil that nobody goes to in the same way that COVID came out of a bumfuck region uh, of China that nobody goes to and millions upon millions of Chinese never heard of. Uh, and because it spread from a rural portion of Brazil into all of Brazil uh, during February and March, there were those big, big news stories before India became the you know sexy poster child and got all those clicks. Uh, so when the Brazilian flare-up is happening, all of the reporting and all of the news you come into contact with in almost any case is going to be about Brazil and the human interest version of it. But occasionally you come across the people who are like, and here's the horrible thing. Because this is happening in Brazil, this isn't going to happen in just Brazil. It's going to happen all over South America. You find those people occasionally. And boy, howdy, were they right. From a rural area in Brazil to all over Brazil to all over South America. South America right now, country by country, is getting subsumed. Most countries in South America are at or near their all-time high, and it is directly proportionate and related to Brazil. Directly. <laughs> It took about 75 days. This is being blamed on the P1 variant and the outbreak in Brazil together. It's both of them is, is what experts keep citing. It's how big, how populous, how economically valuable to the rest of the region Brazil is. It's 
a lot of countries in the world shutting off flights, but not South American, fellow South American countries in a lot of cases. It's the huge borders. It's not that simple as just saying there was a mutation. The mutation's very, very important, but it's a factor, not the only factor. Okay? So that's what's going on in Brazil right now. What's going on in India is now happening to India's neighbors. And if this thing hits China mainland again, which frankly, I don't know how that doesn't happen by the end of COVID. Don't know if it happens because of this wave or when or where. But eventually, a strain that takes out young, healthy people and gets through masks, like is going through all of Southeast Asia right now, no matter how well they ace 2020, is going to go through mainland China. And it's going to fucking stink when it does. These are not, however, the countries that we're talking about. And all of these deaths that I'm presenting to you, entire continents, entire regions of the world being assumed, and the spread going quicker and further once it does, none of that is the discussion for why 100 million is such a practical number. You don't need any conspiracies whatsoever. And that's because the country we're going to go to is steeped in them. You think you talk to other people who have conspiracy theories. My friends, when the entire information network of your country cannot be trusted by anyone at any time, and this is celebrated by large pockets of the population, then everybody is engaging in some form of conspiratorial thinking. Because there are conspiracies out there all the time. And therefore, you have to. You have to. And the country we're talking about is the Russian Federation. For the last 20 years, more so, really, the Russian Federation has weaponized, the Kremlin has weaponized the information that it gives to the public. Whatever suits the narrative is good at that moment. And up is down and black is white several times a day, depending on who needs what. The entire informational network of the Russian Federation is so cynically observed. We're talking about the whole of it. Their networks, their papers, their sites, everything, everything in Russia is so cynically observed that literally in multiple polls, the majority of Russians don't even know if COVID's real or not. They can't tell. They can't tell if it's real or not because of the amount of bullshit they've been fed for decades. <laughs> not they don't know if the vaccine works or not. Not they don't know if COVID's hitting their country or not. They don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> Sometimes, depending on the poll. I feel for them, poor bastards, who are just trying to make it through. And... The crazy thing about the Russian population is it's small. It's been shrinking for that same 20 years. It's been getting really old because it's been shrinking for that time. And, of course, this is going to be rife for COVID. You've got a dictator. Dictators are really bad for COVID, no doubt. Go just, you know, you can come up with your favorite dictators that you think did good. But overall, the more authoritarian somebody is, the shittier their fucking COVID policies, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, <laughs> so you've got all that. You've got uh, the kleptocracy uh, in control of all the oil and gas money and all that shit. Uh, you have a pretty good, 
you have a pretty good system for for lying about COVID, for being insecure about COVID and all the rest. The Russian Federation's population is right around 200 million at this point. And it's just so funny to me because that's what it was 20 years ago. It's just so weird that that happened. I can't begin to explain it. Or I can't explain it, but I can't begin to describe it. It's just so strange. Uh, And their life expectancy is shrinking in Russia. It's getting worse. It's a whole backwards thing. Of the 200 million people in Russia, we're going to look at the first quarter of 2021 and the entirety of 2020. So to hear this argument, unfortunately, you're going to have to go beyond confirmed numbers. That is to say, the confirmed death count in the world is right about 3.1, 3.2 million. And you're going to have to go beyond that to hear this. What counts as a COVID death in country to country counts country to country. If somebody says, as the chief medical officer of a country, that death wasn't COVID, that was pneumonia, that's that. It's done. That was not a COVID death and does not count towards your 3.1 million. Doesn't matter what the test says. If somebody in a political or a action, uh, actionable office uh, in their country, in the medical system, says, nah, then nah, it really is that simple. <laughs> so this is not going to get into a conspiracy about, well, there's a lot of pneumonia deaths. Sure. But again, that washes out. I'm not concerned with what we call anything at any point uh, about this. I'm concerned about getting to the bottom of it and why nobody else seems to believe what I believe. In 2020, a country of approximately 200 million had approximately 500,000 excessive deaths. They lag excessive deaths in this country, in America, in any country, and in three out of four countries in the world, deaths are not kept current. That is something that is tabulated every five years or every decade or every quarter or, 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 or. It's not something that is actionable. It's not something that you, that you care about You're demographically on your day-to-day. You've got bigger issues in a lot of countries and a lot of regions of the world. The excess of death of 500,000 in Russia for 2020 is probably pretty good and accurate. Russia didn't want that information to be broadcast. They're not super keen on it. Uh, but it, it is out there and it does look pretty good. And the first quarter excessive deaths for Russia in 2021 are about 125,000. About 135, really. But let's just say 125,000 because that perfectly adds back up to 500. Now, you can make your arguments, yada, yada, yada. This was the winter. It's seasonal. Blah, 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 blah. Come on. Don't, don't give me that nonsense. <laughs> COVID, it's, it was summertime in Brazil, and it was very, very hot in India during all of the outbreak footage that you saw in both of those countries. And it was not chilly in South Africa when they had their fucking outbreak either. So seasonality or not, don't give a shit. 
It kills people when it's hot or cold. It, the excessive deaths, if you look at America, if you trust America's excessive death count, you can just go to the New York Times anytime you want on their front page. There's always a COVID thing. And you can go and you can look at deaths. You can click on U.S. deaths and it'll give you a timeline. And you'll see that U.S. deaths stay pretty constant. They'll go up. It'll shrink down. It goes up and down. But then it'll hit a certain amount and it'll just stay there. It'll just stay pretty solid. It's actually true of most countries in the world. Just, you know, a few hundred people, somewhere around a thousand, keep dying every day. No big whoop. It's only the most thousand vulnerable. Every day we just have a new thousand most vulnerable. <laughs> don't look at what percentage of American nursing homes <laughs> patients. Like, don't look at the total number of American nursing home patients and how many have died and then try and think about what every outbreak means for vaccine effective rates for two seconds. Our media doesn't, so you don't do it for two seconds either because you'll immediately come to conclusions that are scary and then somebody will have to shout you down and forbid you for, from having a job on TV ever again. Uh, <laughs> I know, but I'm getting so sick of the rest of you and your nonsense. I haven't been this mad at humanity since you all tried to convince me there was a magical sky buddy. And if I didn't kiss his ass out loud every single day, he was going to kick my ass and send me to a hot Bernie place. Because that's that story makes so much more sense to me than what's going on right now with COVID. Do you hear what I'm saying? 500,000 fucking deaths last year in the Russian Federation, above and beyond what they normally have, excessive mortality. And it's matching that same rate right now without a massive outbreak hitting Russia so far in 2021. Not compared to what's going to hit, not compared to what's hit Brazil, or what's hit India. And Russia's medical infrastructure, especially when it comes to vaccines, is not that much better than either of those fucking countries. Not at the end of the fucking day. Rich country does not spend it on those services at all. If you extrapolate the same amount, there's about 8 billion people on the planet. Russian Federation times 40. What's 500,000? Times 40. Go ahead. I'll let you enter it. Here's a real quick tip. Here's how to do a big number like that. Ready? You just take the 5 times the 4, and then you add the zeros. 5 times 4 is 20, and then you just keep adding zeros. If the Russian Federation is 2.5% of the global population and is on track for the fifth quarter, sixth quarter in a row, to lose approximately 125,000 additional people than it has lost at any other point, practically, in the 21st century. That's 20 million people a year. If the Russian Federation death rate holds in any way for the global population for five years, that's a hundred million people. There's no real reason to consider that this is not happening. There is no answer 
as to the question, why should we assume it's just Russia? That makes any sense. And not only that, but there's no reason to assume what's happened in South America, what's happening now right around the subcontinent in Asia, the subcontinent region in Asia, that is to say India and the neighbors of India, won't follow the South American model. And quite frankly, Africa is starting to freak the fuck out. Uh, I made a lot of overtures last time I talked about Africa, about how diverse and how demographically is. So just go back to that if you need to hear that. Here's the thing about Africa. Africa is going to get fucking shit slammed by this thing. Okay? The patients... Doctor ratio, the number of beds, the amount of electricity, the amount of medicine, the amount of medical training, the amount of skilled nursing staff, the amount of medical respect throughout the African demographics is just frankly considerably less than South America or India. In pretty much any category, in pretty much any region of Africa, if you put it one-to-one against those regions, it's not good. And African nations are now starting to freak out about this. So there's another 1.4 billion people, young by and large, who have not been hit by this thing too hard besides the South American strain, who are now looking at what's going on in India, realizing when it hits their young, they're healthy. The way that it has ravaged these other regions, it's going to hurt. And I'm just so tired of pretending otherwise. I'm just so tired that it's not going to happen. Like, it's not a natural consequence. Like, there's an if at all. There's no if. I know I have to pretend for people. I don't know when the rock is going to fall. I just know that it is. The rock that's hanging off the side of the cliff, and you can see the erosion, and you can see, you can feel sometimes as it's pulling on the earth around it, and you can see the clay. You hear me? Maybe you don't. Maybe you think it's all just metaphor. Or maybe you, maybe you really think that some people... When they say they see an outcome tomorrow, you you think that they're like totally insane or that they're pretending that they're prognosticators instead of someone who's just, you know, as sure that COVID's going to ravage parts of Africa, when, where, how, I don't know, as they are that McDonald's is going to be open tomorrow. And if you have to point to all the times that McDonald's wasn't open tomorrow to disprove the concept that somebody can say, I can prove it as well as McDonald's is going to be open tomorrow, just think about what you're fucking saying. Please. Please. Nobody can solve any of this. And we're all just getting through. But my mind cannot handle the kabuki that the rest of you are doing. I don't know how to handle this whole thing where you where you play pretend and then you pretend that you're adults. How do you eat that cake and still point to it and say, look at that delicious whole cake? By the way, you should grow up. <laughs> it's true, though. Nobody's really telling me to grow up right now. People are telling me to play along. That's different. People have told me all my life I needed to grow up.
stop dreaming. Now I'm supposed to start dreaming real hard, real good. Believe in that dream like Don fucking Quixote. (laughs) If you didn't know that South America was on fire from COVID, if you didn't know that there were countries now bordering India, and because of their connections to India economically and population-wise are just going to get slammed, there's no harm in that. Because this media, this this information, especially if you're in the American or English-speaking media sphere, it's just not there. The only real outside stories that you get in it are, this country did so well and is so perfect, and this country, oh, it's the apocalypse. Aren't you so glad you're not there? Everything else is just, it legitimately just feels like that shitty fucking movie, They Live. Where it's just buy, consume, buy, consume on every news. It's this might as well be what every story says, <laughs> and then you can dig down and be all like, <laughs> you can read headlines like Americans put so much into savings that savings are saving savings, and then you'll read the article and it'll be all like, debt ratio fell from from one hundred and one point six to ninety eight point four, but mostly for people who already had money. And then we're also not going to count the year-plus rent that people haven't been able to be paid in this. We'll, we'll figure that out when the moratorium's over. It's like every story is like that in America. And since everybody just reads the fucking headlines, if they read it all, it's all great news. I've probably waxed about this one over and over and over again. But I want to just confirm to you, it is hard to find good information and good reporting about COVID. If I were on a cell phone that didn't have ad blocker, I don't know what I would be able to find in my limited data and searches with everything going on. So please don't feel guilty and don't feel offended. And obviously, I don't want you to live your life thinking about all the poor people in the world. But this is why COVID is a current and future event for me. This is why COVID's not only not over, but nowhere near over for me. And why being away from people who celebrate that it is and further the concepts that it's done, they just I just need to stay away from them. And I need to try and figure out how to forgive them because they need forgiving because they're hurting people. And I can't make them stop. No one can make them stop. Uh, the world is really topsy-turvy for me right now. Like a progressive icon for years was Howard Dean. Uh, not very well known for anything other than a MP3. Um, Howard Dean is, you know, taking money straight from the the vaccine, Big Pharma, uh, to lie and say that every every facility that's producing vaccines right now is producing vaccines. It's not even close to true. It's not even remotely true. It's not half true. 51% of production capacity for vaccines, especially COVID, is not being reached globally. Americans celebrating about how good everything's going when we bought a bunch of vaccines outright. Reagents locked that down, stopped other people, put on all kinds of our controls. 
for drugs and all the rest so that other people could make them, charge them more? Do you know that you have to pay twice as much for a Moderna or Pfizer vaccine from a country outside of NATO than in it? That sucks for Suriname! <laughs> if you'd like to to read some articles about this, maybe you can look up stuff like Biden's continuing that American first policy when it comes to COVID. Something like that will probably get you some pretty good fucking hits. Um, if you really want to look, if you really care, and I know most of you as my audience do not. Biden's the good guy. Trump was the bad guy. If Biden's doing what Trump did, then it's bad when Trump did it, but it's good when Biden does. And I that's really what everybody believes right now in my social group and networks, and I don't play that fucking game. If Biden is continuing the same exact policies as his predecessor, that's bad. And there's a whole lot of that going on with vaccines. The thing is about what I'm telling you, it's okay if you don't know it. But Joe Biden certainly fucking does. And so does Manu. So does Scotty from accounting. You know, I'm not trying to lay this all at just one shitty old man's feet. Just plenty of blame to go around. <laughs> but they know. Or they could know and they choose not to. But all the information's on their desk. All real easy for them to just reach on over and flip through at any time. They don't have to search for it. They don't have to spend any time. And even if they did, the amount of time they have to spend is picking up a phone and having a fucking 45-second conversation at most. The amount of excessive deaths that are coming and will come because no one gives a shit, because nobody cares about what's going on outside their borders, because there's no pressure, because we accept that this is endemic, or because vaccines are magical cures, even when hundreds of your countrymen are dying every day after the most vulnerable. Weird. Weird. Because nobody gives a shit, this is just going to keep on going. And somebody like me who says something like 100 million sounds as insane as somebody like me saying 25 million last year, somebody saying this thing is going to go global back in January of 2020. I keep sounding insane to you and angry to you and off the grid and off the mark to you. And every time I say something that you don't like, that's insanity or depression. Well, it's not. Or at least it's not only those things. Because somebody can be insane and right. Being insane doesn't make someone wrong. <laughs> it's a fun little thing to say, especially to children, if you don't like the voice that's coming out of the adult and they're listening to them. No, that person's crazy. That person's going to hell. It's a great shortcut doesn't actually invalidate someone. Being insane doesn't mean someone's wrong, especially if that person has more information than you. Because a crazy fucking bum who knows a warm spot knows a warm spot. So. Given the fact that there's nobody even questioning the amounts of fucking deaths that are coming out right now, 
Why do you guys find it so hard to imagine a hundred million dead from this? That's the part that I have to make peace with next. After COVID, because there is an after, it's not going to be like the flu, kids, if it keeps going and going and going around. So after COVID, I have to figure out, as somebody who can actually remember their past <laughs> and remember things that they've heard and felt and doesn't just need to be harmed directly by something to have it seared into them, which, as far as I can tell, from the men that you all date and marry are all goddamn superpowers, even though that's just my day-to-day -day life, how am I going to get over all you assholes? How am I going to get over everybody shrugging their shoulders, saying I'm not killing everybody, anybody, or maintaining the systems that kill everybody during this fucking holocaust? 3.1 million is already a holocaust. And you fucking know it. In your heart, 3.1 million, 3 .1 million a year? Year after year after year? Since there's nobody saying that COVID's going away, nobody is saying COVID's going away globally before 2025. Not a single expert. Find them. Give them to me. Send them. Nobody. So 15 million's already a holocaust. Eh? I guess the rest of you can pretend still that this isn't happening. Or I guess the rest of you can say compartmentalized it's just it's in india and i mean it's just india and it's just brazil but frankly a hundred million's an underestimate at this point don't you think unless some absolute miracle happens if russia without a major slam all the money, all the medicine, all the vaccines, no matter what you think of them, is having that level of excessive mortality. What happens when it really starts fucking hitting like it is, like it has been? Are you going to count or are you going to quibble over all the people who starve to death in the next four years on if they were COVID-related or not? We're talking about excessive mortality deaths. We're not talking about all the people who typically starve to death. Nah, fuck them. Nah, fuck them. Fuck them. America needs its fucking corn and oil. Fuck them. People have to starve. That's just life. I'm talking about all the new people who starve. In addition to them. It's hard to, it's hard to count, I know. But if you're like, eh, 30,000 people die in that country every year of starvation. I agree. Let's not count them. Fuck them. I'm talking about 30,001 on up. Those are COVID deaths. Doesn't matter if they didn't die from the pneumonia. Didn't matter that they weren't wheezing on their way out. The systems that relied upon for, for money and economy and society gave out because of COVID, and they died as a result. 
None of those deaths are included in the 3.1 million so far. Those are the deaths that come in the excessive mortality count. That'll come in something that I call the Great Morbidity Conference. When, after it's done, people actually try and figure out what happened. What the actual numbers are. Because nobody really is right now. <laughs> There's more important things to do, agreed. <laughs> but it's hard. And so I'm making these choices to cook, to work out, to treat myself right, to get lost in Deep Space Nine and old TV shows that go on forever and ever and ever so I can just keep clicking next episode. And I will make it through. I don't much feel like it right now, and yet I'm still up and I'm still working, and it's good for me, so I'm going to keep doing it. And getting nice messages from you guys is good for me, so I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm writing so much that's not porn right now, and it feels great, and I'm watching so many wonderful old movies and movies I've never seen before. For a life that is so constrained... It is enriching. I don't know if it's a rich life, but it's becoming more rich and more satisfying. But it is because of the challenge. It's because I'm trying to rise and meet the challenge. And it's because I have to do it alone. I'm so sorry that I'm saying that too. It's going to sting some of you. Because I know that you're here with me in your hearts and your spirits, and you treat me so well. But I am a hardliner on this. I'm not joking. I'm not fronting. I'm not kidding. A perpetual holocaust is occurring around me. I am surrounded by holocausters, genociders. This is how history will judge us. It's how it's judging us now. If you're not paying attention to all of the nice, bright, for-money operations saying everything is great, double thumbs up, then it's how it's going right now. When in the past, in the future, people look at this period of America and say Americans really were celebrating their GDP going up, with every COVID diagnosis and every funeral contributing to their GDP and laughing about it and smiling and clapping, there will be such abhorrent disgust. <laughs> I don't care what your economic theory is. I don't care what your religious beliefs are. That's disgusting. And it's what's happening. Right now, here, in this wondrous nation, and such little respect for life, while at the same time such overtures about freedom and dignity and humanity are being espoused, who 
Oof. <sighs> so, if you listen to all of that rant and you still have any affection for me, thank you. Uh, if you've been listening to the rants for weeks now, thank you. I really do appreciate it, and you, and everything you've said. Uh, to Allie, to give to me, uh, when I dock with her on Discord, because I really close everything out for huge swaths of time, and it feels so wonderful. Just thank you. The worst part about my life right now is I constantly feel insane. Just to speak the truth. I think I've said this quote before. It's an old Turkish proverb. If you speak the truth, have a foot in the stirrup. If you speak the truth, have a foot in the stirrup. It's a good fucking proverb. <laughs> it reminds me of a Russian proverb. And then things get worse. That is life. I thought, I thought I was so excited and I was so encouraged. With Walensky and Fauci, I thought they were going to, I really thought it. I really thought that they were going to help turn this tide. And maybe America will be just fucking fine. Little vaccine island. Like we're pretending uh, we can be like Israel. Because <laughs> of all the additional policies that they put in on top. And maybe it'll work out. Because some countries get lucky. Some countries really don't get hit that hard. But there's only two options going forward. Either America does get assumed again in another wave, or it doesn't. But assuming waves continue to move around the world. And America could have stopped them either way. Either the wave that's going to assume us, or the waves that are making their way around the world right now. These ones? No. I, I said that in the wrong tense. But in the future... If we had actually engaged in a real COVAX pro program instead of just pretending, if we hadn't have tried to hoard both 100 billion doses, really, I know that, or sorry, 1 billion doses and 100 million reagents, I know that sounds like a bullshit series of numbers. Look it up. If we hadn't engaged in this policy of nobody gets what they want until America gets everything it wants, if we weren't defending our barbaric medical industrial system, if we weren't keeping vaccine patents out of people's hands or even just matching the prices, because that's pennies on the dollar compared to what America has spent so far for COVID. Just pennies. Just fucking pennies. There are so many practical solutions here. It's, it's endless. You do not actually... I know it sounds like I'm talking about something very complicated. A global vaccine exchange and testing regime with sequencing? Holy shit, dude. It's so easy and so cheap compared to the money that governments have already spent. So easy. So cheap. 
logistically insignificant. There are literally sequencing universities in America that are, have been begging, have been begging to get more positive tests since the beginning of this and still don't have them. That's how little of a fuck in America under Biden people give a shit about anything other than getting people back in their front fucking door and back to work. And we're not talking about one-offs. We're talking about a total lack of caring. So I was really encouraged earlier this year. I thought the Walensky, I thought Fauci, I thought Biden were going to turn a corner and they were going to start engaging in the policies that would help. But as soon as the magical deflation started happening, I guess everyone just accepted Biden was the fucking chosen one and magically one day it would go away. 42 cases down to 17 and then zero. Whatever the quote was from that dumb shit. But we're not. We're not even beginning to have the conversations, even with everything that's going on in India right now. And really, this is super fucking disappointing, but I know a lot of you know that it's happening. The only reason so many people give a shit about India is because India is important to other countries and their fucking efforts. So it really is a money story. The Indian tragedy story really is for the stock marketing, and it really is for the market classes and the ownership classes. <laughs> and when, because I do think it's a win, the next waves hit us in America, hit the world in such a way that it causes a negative reaction in America, because you really can't be an island in this economy. And people start pretending to give a shit again and caring again and saying, uh, I'm going to need to be away from you. Just like I am now. The most disappointing thing about humanity right now is the number of people that are excited to see a monkey fight a lizard on a movie screen or to go into Disneyland lines. And there's so many of you. <laughs> While this is going on. And it breaks my heart. It's broken my psyche, and it took all of the work effort out of me for a period. Still is. But I'm strong enough that I'm just going to keep swinging anyway. I'm doing everything in my power. Absolutely everything in my power. I'm sorry that I have to be distant. I'm sorry that I have to make this a me versus the world situation. But it is for my betterment. And it is for my survival. And I am doing it. Bit by bit, day by day. Isn't that something? Bit by bit, day by day. Isn't that something? Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for allowing me. Feel free to send Allie all your love. She'll send me some. Bother her, not me. <laughs> Thank you for giving me...
patience and space and money and support and encouragement and love. I needed it so bad. Uh, last thing on a personal update level, as I have tried to get everything going again with healing and production, mentality, suffering through it, as I try and embody the Cisco, the Cisco I know I can be, I'm just, uh, I just want you to know, I'm sitting down at the recording booth every single night. So snap your fingers, clap your hands, pray to your magical buddy upstairs, whatever you do to give me that spirit bomb. Please do it for that. Nothing in my life could possibly make my life any better than sitting down every night at the recording booth. It's happening. If I can make that product, especially if I can make it with this rendered, sorry, rendid, this rendered, shattered soul of mine, this abysmal darkness, then I can always do it. If I can do it now, if I can keep these plates spinning now, even for just a couple of weeks, then I'll always be able to keep them spinning. So, more than you've ever hoped for anything before, just to help me make the product, just to keep it going, especially since my mentality and my personality can be so separate from it at this point. Cross your fingers. Send in requests. Send in uh, fantasies. Send them to Ali. Send them into Tumblr, whatever. I'm not there. I'm not reading. But I will dock on occasion when I have the energy, and I'll scroll through. And it'll be me reading it, and it'll be me writing it, and it'll be me performing it. So that's the best I got. Pretend until COVID is over. I'm like Superman at the end of Superman 2. I just flew the fuck off into outer space. I'll be back later. We won't even explain it. <laughs> We're not even going to take a fucking stab at it. I'm going to be gone for a while. I was in outer space. I saw some shit. Now I'm back. Everybody deal with it. Superman.